October 29th, 2008. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
Watt from Pedro Show, October 29, 2008, two days before Pumpkin Day, and here in Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, Brother Matt, Ahoy, Sean, Echo, Son, thanks for coming aboard, and we're waiting for Peak from, uh, where is she? Glissel Park. Um, started to show off with um, Spiritual John Coltrane Live Village Vanguard and then part one Flood by Boris um, drove up to Yosemite I hadn't been there since damn my pop made me spend two weeks there when I graduated high school by myself adventure and uh, yeah, it was a venture, mm-hmm. big time. Raymond uh, put. Oh, by the way, we uh, went to Raymond with Raymond to the Breeders' Cup oh, the day cool. before. Oh, Bob Stars is there, and it was on her first time new horse race, and oh, her first bet, she won. Yeah. Yay. Right <laughs> uh, you remember what the uh, horse was called? No? <laughs> How'd you pick him? The color? <laughs> um, only, um, feeding. Oh. In the program. Mm. Yes. Very good. <laughs> cool. That a big program. I think it was 25th year. Mm. And uh, she actually won another race, too. She won two races. That's a good system. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, did better than me. I didn't win any. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yeah, it's still cool going a trip on the ponies. Yeah. The whole trip, it's a cool little world. Yeah. It, it is a trip where it was packed. Maybe 50,000. Wow. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good horses. Um, then drove up to Yosemite. On her first time there, she saw El Capitan, Half Dome, and Glacier Point, and down in the valley, about, I don't know, 300 miles uh, north of here. Righteous weather, no and fires. Like, no, no uh, clouds, no heavy wind. It's just around the end because November it starts getting intense. It's like 6,100 feet. Then you go down the valley and you come up. So it was a lot of curvy driving on the boat. And went to San Francisco to see Kenny and Lise. And um, first time she went to Haight-Ashbury, she didn't know about it oh. in the 60s. Hippie thing. Huh? Yeah. It's a little chunk of history. Yeah. And uh, Golden Gate Park with... Um, Tea house, tea garden. It's pretty neat. Um, pretty cool for you to get to go road tripping, as opposed to to being on tour, getting to no all gig. different trips. No, there's no gig. Saw brother Steve McKay though in Pacifica after visiting with Richard fucking Bonnie. Now he's uh, in 
Sunset Park, mm -hmm. so not far from Pacifica. Oh, yeah, he took us up to Twin Peaks. You ever been there? They got a really good view of uh, the city and the fog, right? Yeah. She saw the fog rolling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was jamming. Wow, cool. Coming out of the bay? Yeah, scary, on both sides. Uh -huh. On the, the uh -huh. Sunset Pacifica side mm -hmm. and then the other side, the East Bay. Uh -huh. Like pincher movements. Huh? School of Richard fucking Bonnie right on. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, interesting trip. Uh, I think next Catalina. Oh, how righteous. Because she goes back a week from Friday. Oh, wow. Home stretch. she got uh, some gigs coming up. Los Punkin Heads here in Pedro on Punkin Day, Punkin Night. And next day, um, West Hollywood with Pete and Jer, second man, to uh, do this bass award. Right on. Thing, lifetime yeah. <laughs> and uh, probably my mom, um, cool sister, and um, then there's three banging gigs, fourth, fifth, sixth of November. So, it was like De Piazza's uh, 14 below, or no, or? Mint. A mint, Wednesday night. De Piazza's the uh, mint and a new pad in Venice called Air Condition. So. Uh, it's been a while since Banyan gig so that'll be neat. Yeah, cool mm -hmm. play with Nels and Perkins really Norton's gonna paint of course for the Banyan ones but he's gonna also come Saturday and cool it's gonna be tied up front on the stage because there's a I was told there's 16 bass amps behind me for some kind of <laughs> jam that um, super bass jam yeah, they always do it at these things. Uh -huh. I think Steve Bailey's organized it or something. And, uh, so it's going to be strange uh, a little bit. I have Jer angled towards me with the kick drum on my leg, but uh, I'll be in the, between him and Pete. Pete will be on mm -hmm. the other side. He's never done that. Oh, speaking of gigs, what about last Friday? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was very trippy. Yeah, I'm glad the, we did it though. Yeah, man, that was a definite uh, extending your abilities in the face of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Those mothers, you know, talking about losing their kids. Yeah, what an opening intense. act. That was that was really intense. But you know, I think uh, people who play gigs kind of can get full of themselves, so something like that gives you a little perspective. Uh, I told I was talking to one of my guys about that yesterday at practice. You know, sometimes they ain't all about you. In fact, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't realize it. It's a culture of self-importance. I'm glad uh, I could do that, Pedro. <laughs> mm. Those people were so brave that got up there, I have to say. Yeah, it was called um, seeing those children and Justice for Murdered Seeing children. all the shoes, those trippy, the all the shoes of the dead kids in front of the stage was yeah. really intense. 
candles. God bless all of them. That was a trippy thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, let's play some more music.
Watt from Pedro's show. Uh, we just heard Atomic Kahuna surfing in Yang Yang by Amazon Saliva. Or, how do you say it? In Japanese? Yeah, come over here by the mic. Amazon Saliva. Amazon Saliva. Saliva. <laughs> and that's got a friend of mine named Hidei. Who lives in Kyoto? Spent a couple days with him on that torrent back in February. He lived in New York City for maybe 10 years with this band called Ultra Bidet. <laughs> <laughs> playing a lot of gigs. There's another Bidet band too he's got, but I played with him. He's got a Kyoto band. He moved back home. Uh, Are they big on It was called Ultra there? Junior. And they're a good band. Yeah, played with them in Kyoto. Um, before that, we had Floating by me and Petra. Money Mark played some synthesizer. Um, this is a Migu song. Uh, but uh, the third Migu album's being made. Well, it's done. They're mixing it now, Shimi Mishuko. And they asked me and Petra to do a cover of this song. Because we had done it for a gig, a Pelican Man gig. And uh, it is a beautiful song. Um, but we thought maybe we should do it a little different. So there's like seven violins. <laughs> Petra. <laughs> <laughs> Went to town on that. And uh, you just sent me a mix of it. And so there you go. It'll be out pretty soon. Cool. I, I'm on another song too, but playing with them. I did last summer, Tokyo. And we started off the chunk with Song by Now. <laughs> Straight to the point, huh? And that's the end of the first hour of the October 29, 2008 from Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour two. October 29, 2008. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show, and here's some Black Moths Super Rainbow. <laughs>
oceánicas más oscuras. Al fondo, 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 al fondo. Cuevas de coral. Un cardumen de peces se manifiesta al acecho, pero nuestro pez se conserva sigiloso. Escondido, observador, fuera de la red. Fuera de la from Pedro show uh, started out the second hour with uh, milk skates by black mouth super rainbow then something from the middle 90s uh, with deer hoof who's on tour right now this was I think that's peak huh and uh, it's a ref from a record called dirt pirate creed and uh, it's called awakening of the dirt pirates 
And Grux turned me on to that. Now, Grux is a cat Arr. up in San Francisco I knew years ago, and I just got, hey, Pete. Pete. Hi. Just got in uh, contact with him again. Cool. And uh, he has this band, Carolina Rainbow. Well, it's all kinds of names. It always is changing. We played with them, what were they called? Carolina Rainbow. I don't know. Hat trick. <laughs> you gotta watch this because the microphone and shit. <laughs> hey, what's your name? We got a guest that's Welcome. never been here. Howdy. Welcome. My name's Mark. Mark, hey, Mark. How you doing? What? This Howdy. is Brother Matt. Howdy. Welcome. Sean, this is Echo. How are you? And that's Peak, nice you know. <laughs> and welcome Hi, to nice the Watt from Pedro show. Yeah. Welcome to the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. Right on. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while. Here, I'm, I'm uh, saying the songs. Then we heard uh, R. Stevie Moore with Carolyn, Will You Come? And then Pesnaro from El Hombre Misteriosos. Muy bien. The mysterious man. Oh, speaking of the flag, we're going to have a Thank beauty you. contest coming up a Tuesday, right? No, right. If the month starts on a Tuesday, it can't be yeah. that one. It's got to yeah, come the, after the first a Tuesday after the first Monday. After the second, yeah. After. Oh no! In Thailand, what's the uh, rule? What oh, that's rule? right. You got a king. <laughs> what Here, rule? Here's your book. <laughs> awesome, thank you. Uh, you got a king, too. Oh, you got a queen. We got a queen. Soon a king. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we'll see. If they're up for it, right? Hmm. Oh, yeah, they might do away with it all, huh? Hmm. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Can you save us a bit of money? Oh, oh talk about yeah. how's your anti-monarchy. Really? Can you say that? Pick a random citizen every time you need a ribbon cut. Let them be the star of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Because if somebody ends up doing it anyway, even if it's not in law, mm-hmm. they'll make a gossip show about it or some shit. Cult of celebrity. So, uh, humans like rally around that stuff. Humans do. Don't they? Trippy creatures. Know, have you read The Count of Monte Cristo? What really interested me in that book was that there was like this big party with all the upper class rich people going to it and all the poor people, this is like in the 1800s, yeah? And all the poor people are outside in the street trying to catch a glimpse of the the rich and famous going in. They want to see their costumes. They want to see, you know, who's going to be at the party. Right. It's just like, you know, MTV or Celebrity News. And all those years ago. Yeah, and that's 200, over 200 years ago or something. Yeah. People are fascinated by others that are dressed up. Yeah, and like in this land here, during the Depression, the big movies were like... Uh, I mean, there was the Grapes of Wrath, but most of them was uh, people wearing all these uh, suits. And yeah, Gibbs. Big and gowns. that was a big, big entertainment during the Depression. The flicks were big. Yeah, like this showboat stuff. The, the, the hardcore reality mm. was kind of down a peg. Mm. It's an escape. Oh, yeah. Totally. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I like to be optimistic and think, oh, it's, no, it's just a whim. Like it's not very central and core to the being. 
But I think animals do it as well, don't they? In certain groups of animals. Well, the boy birds are more colorful than the woman ones. Yeah, that's right. And fish. Fish too, yeah. And fish as well? Mm. Yeah. To attract to mates. Attract their, their, yeah, okay. Oh, maybe that's what it's about, attracting mates. Yeah. <laughs> it's always about that. Is it? Mm-hmm. No. Well, animals will fight to see who's the, the predominant in the group, and they get first choice of the, the females. You know, the males will fight, won't they? Like, uh... Elephants, I think, dude. Yeah, you go sit on the porch out here and listen to the seals going at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of a lion thing where one guy yeah. gets to run and the other one just hang out yeah, like big ah, daddy. Bum yeah. on it. But then there's fish that just release all kinds of swim team. Yeah. I think there's a lot of variety. You don't want to get too BF Skinner on the social Darwinism. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's one. Uh, Black Widow, right? The first child for the babies. Oh, yeah. His daddy. Daddy, oh. Uh, that's the way it should be. We're humans. <laughs> <laughs> they got it right. <laughs> so, Peaky ain't been around. What's up? What well, other it? than my car breaking yeah. down again, getting laid off by a company that is, like, shaky under the economy at the moment and getting unemployment denying my benefit and the roommates moving out so you know life's good (laughs) sounds like you got it going on yeah it sounds like a fistful (laughs) of hell you know you know what what is life without challenges yeah you got you got a complete stranger sleeping on your sofa that's right that I brought to a radio show (laughs) oh is that you that's me you're on your couch tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to explain this couch tour thing. It's quite organized internationally. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was organized. Well, it is what organized. For? Because there's a website for oh, it. okay. This organized mean you like, you know. You what's uh, what's the URL? Uh, couchsurfing.com. Oh, surfing. Couchsurfing. Maybe what, that's different in tour, though. That sounds kind of <laughs> yeah, short that's, term. That's you. <laughs> Now, uh, a lot of people going around all over the world sort of like uh, offering and asking for places to stay right. on the couch. And um, Mark here has been traveling, and he's going to South America later. So Wow, maybe you'll meet El Hombre Misterioso. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just played a song from a band from there. Okay. Pretty good stuff. About a mystery man? It's a mystery man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome aboard. Is it your first time here? Uh, can't, well, second, kind of. I was here about six weeks ago in L.A., but just very brief. Uh-huh. And uh, then I've been around the country and come back. So I've kind of gone half circle from New York across the, from east to west. Yeah. Going into, like, Chicago, Minneapolis. And How'd you get around? Amtrak. Yeah, yeah train, train. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Wow. Well, welcome to Pedro. Yeah, yeah thanks. First time here. You see what? You get to see the seasons. Yeah, I seen snow. Yeah. In uh, North Six Dakota. Weeks ago. I love yeah. <laughs> yeah, trains are great. You, are. you meet interesting people on yeah. the train as well. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you take the train home to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the first snows came back east. 
already. <laughs> Something we don't get here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Mark. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot of it here in Pedro, <laughs> uh, Mark. <laughs> Snow, but you I do. don't miss it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, part, what part of England are you from? I'm from. I grew up in Central England, uh, uh, um, the Midlands. The Midlands. Yeah. That's right. I call it Central England when I'm talking to people in America because I, cool. I figure they probably haven't heard of the Midlands. No, I've done a lot of touring. Okay, you've been to the Midlands? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, good people. Yeah, trippy land. I like. No coast, but... No, where it's the furthest away from the coast you yeah. can get. I grew up in, the, like, the most central point of the whole country. What's that, Nottingham? No, no, more central than that is... Oh. Um, the most central point is actually called Meriden. I, I lived in a town probably, like, 20 miles from there. So, we didn't see a lot of uh, seaside. No, no. That was just for the summer take holidays. take the train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem. Nice. Well, welcome aboard, man. That's a good spirit to get around and go to South America next. Yeah. It's been awesome. Straight there here. or through Central America? I'm going to call in in Costa Rica. Ah, okay. Yeah, I want to go to Mexico, Cuba. Oh, so you will go through oh, the Central. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing a diary? I'm doing a uh, blog, yeah, on online diary. Well, what, yeah. what's the link? It's... Uh, <laughs> Say it on the mic. I'm probably going to need to spell it because it's my name, right. which is complicated, kind of. So it's Mark Stangroom, that's my name, M-A-R-K-S-T-A-N-G-R-O-O-M dot blogspot dot com. You can read all my crazy stories there and you can see my crazy photos as well. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Oh. Thank you for inviting. Um, to speak, thank you for having him aboard. Yeah, well, I making have to the couch available. No, I, yeah. have, I have to say you that. You know, I, I do think though it's going to put a kink in your meanness reputation. Um, <laughs> kind of generous. No, I'll, I'll gain it back. No worries. So how does this <laughs> couch rate on the international scale? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's got some levels. You can like survey some domain for. Wow. <laughs> That's a pretty big couch, actually. I know. Yeah. You could get a few surfers on there. I will totally put this one online for you. Yeah. You guys better get that one up. I want to see that up on the internet in the morning. <laughs> get some multi- love Gretel pit stop. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, Mark was supposed to stay for one night last Monday night. Yeah. And somehow I talked him into staying through the Halloween because there are quite crazy things going on around LA. Oh, yeah. You should check that out for sure. Yeah. There's a Pedro and Park. Party. Not Pedro party. There's a party in Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what you bring to the table, Pedro. Into Los Bunkenheads is playing. Uh, where? John Wicks and Money Mark myself. At Danny Lou's oh, pad on Fourth Street. Boys, yeah, I know that name. Um, He's an organ player. He's played with a lot of cats. Yeah. Oh, right. He played with the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that stuff. From Gardena. Just up the freeway a little ways. But he's going to come down and yeah, throw cool some jams. He's oh, great. Sweet. And you know, I think it'll be my sixth time with mm. pumpkin, pumpkin on head. my head. How many pounds? I Is get a... Hmm, I don't know. It'll be different, though, because I cut the bottom out. And I it depends t- on how heavy your head is that night. <laughs> 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 Yo! <laughs> 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 no, that, 
I cut the bottom <laughs> out and I Have hollowed it out, and then I cut eyes and mouth and the nose. You haven't done it yet? No, because uh, it get kind of gamey. Fresh. You want to do it kind of right before. <laughs> it could get a bit funky in there otherwise. Yeah. So you yeah. do it right before. I like pumpkin, so Just I get well. seeds and some of the innards on me. It don't matter. I heard that he used to drive around with it on his head. <laughs> yeah, I did once. I had to because it was t- a tight one. Oh, no. When I tried it on, oh. in fact, it was with Nels. That Nels was running a thing called New Music Mondays. I believe that's where I heard it from. At uh, Alligator Lounge at West L.A. And Spot, mm-hmm. we did a duet. Spot was a ninja leaf blower. And had one of them leaf blower things uh. with the mask. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried on the pumpkin. This was the first time I did it. And... Uh, yeah, I couldn't get it off again, and I didn't want to break it off, so I just drove up. Didn't have too good a peripheral vision. <laughs> Maybe dangerous. Actually, you can kind of see out the eyes, but not a lot, so it's playing by feel. Well, that blows them clams. Last year was in Visalia. Uh, Ten-minute solo version of Young Man Blues at a pizza parlor. But, you know, I, I, I've played every Halloween for maybe, this will be 24. I really like Halloween. I think it, it's my favorite. Because it's the one day all year we admit we're wearing costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. You agree? Well, you don't, don't have to. Well, I don't wear it because, you know. I love Halloween. I really no, you don't have to wear a pumpkin. Yeah, I know, but custom. You just have to be honest about wearing a costume that one day of the year. Well, would right. you agree that we're wearing costumes every day of the year? And we well, don't cop to right. it, right? Yeah. Except when you accidentally let the truth out. <clears throat> yeah. You know what's real jive, I think? Like, it's going to be on a Friday, so it's okay. Mm. But what about when they have the. Halloween stuff not on the real Halloween day. Oh, I hate last that. weekend I heard there are a ton of parties. I went which to I one. did not understand. Well, the theme all. parties too, you know. All no, but aren't holidays this thing to like break stuff up? So if you celebrate mm-hmm. it on the wrong day on the weekend, the regular, you're not breaking anything up. You're just cowtowing. <laughs> I think you don't have to adopt. The holidays are all kind of hallmarked out just to pump up the economy. Yeah, the sell <laughs> Well, we went looking at costumes yesterday. Yeah. They're still they're costing a lot of money. Those things. Not pumpkins. Not pumpkins. <laughs> I was going to ask you a question about the pumpkin. Yeah. I'm interested to know if wearing a pumpkin on your head gives you like an alternate uh, personality, like Pumpkin Man, for example. Can you do different things? Well, with a flannel, you're kind of like Ichabod Crane. You know about that? Legend of Sleepy Hollow? No. Yeah, it's an old story. And it's something about a headless horseman has to have somebody's head. He chases this guy down and throws a fiery punk and kills him. I think the roots of it is actually an old German folk story. Boogie Man. Yeah. But it was kind of creepy. But, um, you mean, am I like uh, hiding? No, not are you hiding. I tell you why I asked, because a friend of mine, I'm going to go and visit her next week. 
she's staying in this town in New Mexico and she said to me oh by the way over here people call me Rose which is my middle name and I like it but I know her as Lucy which is her first name and she said having a having a different name allows me to have a different personality and it just feels different oh yeah so I was wondering if the like pumpkin the old thing punk days where the dudes had fake names yeah and you become someone else yeah 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 it's like you you haven't got responsibility for uh, almost like for your actions. <laughs> you know, you can those, get away with more. Yeah, what are those things called? Furries? Those guys get in them costumes and roll around on each other and shit. What you know about this? Sam with like cross dressers? Are they called furries? There's some kind of things. It's almost like a Star Trek convention kind of people. They dress up wow. in these kind of furry animals and they turn the lights out and then roll all over. <laughs> and some got orifices. Right, openings in the costumes yeah it's, they're little tribes of Star Wars ah, so that's like Muppets a like. sexual thing as well yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> it's starting oh, to sound that way sounds, uh, yeah. no it's like a whole another can of worms yeah when you start bringing <laughs> orifices into the thing yeah he's into kung fu for eight years oh wow notice the shirt yeah alright yeah. Oh, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good clue great yeah <laughs> Te- gives it away a bit <laughs> <laughs> Did you just rip a hit? Yeah. Yeah, all right. That's all right. Strong about that in Cali, huh? Yeah. Go with a bruise. Yeah. yeah. Let's put it on the air, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and you, you get to witness a special thing because Brother Matt now is going to give us some spin cycle. Oh, Yay. cool. Thanks. Thank you. 
Thank you.
comes to earth to turn you on. Back with so silent force, we come to right the wrong.
And it's time for the eye edition of the news with Brother Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot from Pedro Show, Brother Matt. Thank you so much cool. for your spin cycle. Cool. Thank I you. I think you got Mr. Mark there. Mm, cool. He was digging Thank on you. it. He wants you to yeah. uh, get to Ibiza. Right on. Yeah, come to, come to Ibiza next summer. I'm game. For real. Let's go. <laughs> throw, throw the big jams mm. out. Uh, we were talking about some music from the Mark's Land, and what bands were you into? You're kind of younger. Kind of younger. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a compliment, or <laughs> you saying I'm not old I enough heard to be here? That youth is most wasted on the young. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we, <laughs> we haven't got. That's true. You you don't you no, don't I get wisdom stupid, until you're no, until you're older. Motherfucker, I was 20 years old. <laughs> And knew everything. Yeah. And now, I'm much wiser about that. I was so much older then, I'm younger than that. <laughs> to quote Mr. Dillon. But what, what kind of bands? The bands? Uh, yeah. Well, probably the my most favorite band is ever is a band called The Stone Roses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a bass player named Manny. That's right, yeah, Manny. Yeah, and I, yeah. I didn't get to see him in that band, but I got to see him in Primal Scream. Primal Scream, yeah, cool. And man, I really like the way that cat plays. Yeah. They were a very good bands, you know, they were good musicians. Yeah, he's And they were cool together person. at the right time. Maybe up where? Manchester? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Manchester band. A lot of good bands out of that town. Buzzcocks, Fall. Yeah. Joy Division, Joy New Division. Order, right. The Happy Mondays. Mm. <laughs> I saw them. Yeah. Mm. Long Wait, time ago. Where? Uh, Palladium, I believe. Or, um, Where's that? It's, it's in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Oh, right. Yeah. Cool. Sunset Boulevard. What was it? It was like? actually built like it was a dance place in the Second War. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big old ballroom. Sounded so well. Man, we played there once with the Ramones and Black Flag, oh, and it turned nice. into a huge riot. Wait, in, okay, in a bad way. Okay, <laughs> no, it wasn't <laughs> happening. They were dicks. Mm. LAPD. Mm. There's a great Black Flag song called Police Story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I checked that too, man. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have a club in your town, or did you have to go to other towns? No, we did. <laughs> We didn't really have any any kind of clubs in the town where I grew up, yeah. which is why I'm not too keen on it. I wanted to get out pretty much as soon as possible. Right, so where'd you yeah. have to go for gigs? Uh, you'd have to go to uh, the next kind of city was Coventry. Oh yeah. So you could go there. There was um, there was a club called the TikTok where you could go and see bands. Cool. And yeah, or you could go to Birmingham, which, but that was a bit further. Okay. Yeah, you played up there. Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. Who was from there? Jethro Tull, Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a hell of a band. Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Anderson. I love There's a statue there of James Watt. James Watt. He was a Scottish relation? cat. He's like 16th cousin or something. There's a statue of him in Leeds, too. He's a guy who did and uh, came up with this thing called a governor for the steam motor. Mm. So you could put the steam motor to work, 
And so they uh, gave him the name for the power unit. All right. One watt is 744 oh. horsepower. Where was he from? Glasgow, originally. From Glasgow. But he went where the work was, was so. Right. Leeds and Birmingham. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. In Alabama, we got a Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never been there. You're missing out. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. I played there a lot. What's happening down there? Uh, sweaty summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, and there's a lot of cool people. Um, there's a lot of towns here with England names, you know. Yeah. In fact, yeah. the Northeast is called New England. New you know York. That? Yeah, that's right. New York. Right. New I, in uh, really? in San Francisco, I saw a, it wasn't a street or a town, but there was a, a building that was called Kenilworth. And that's the name wow. of the town where I grew up. Wow. Yeah. So I took a photo of it, you know. Of course. <laughs> Gonna send it to my mum. <laughs> that's what Wood does when he goes around other part of the world and sees something. I take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. It's I take nice. lots of pictures. Yeah, that's takes These digital things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can just you take any photo once, you want. No film, no development. Yeah, it's awesome. The link and, I'm get sorry, deleted. Nothing's mm. wrong with film and development. <laughs> no, but <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> okay, we're at the end of the second hour of October 29, 2008. Watt for Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. Yeah. October 29, 2008. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. And what I got to play for you now is an interview with John Coltrane that Frank Kosky did in November 1966. Maybe nine months, eight months before uh, John Coltrane passed away. And it's uh, very interesting. And since I started uh, the show off with uh, him doing spiritual... Here's Mr. Coltrane uh, speaking about those kind of matters, all kinds of stuff. The people I was staying with have a friend, a young lady, and uh, she was at, um, downtown at one of Malcolm X's um, addresses, speeches, and lo and behold, who should plop down in the seat next to her but John Coltrane? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so right away, that whetted my curiosity, and I wanted to know how many times you had seen him and what you thought of him when you saw him and so forth. That was the only time. Were you impressed with him? Definitely. Definitely. What was, you, oh, go on. Well, that, that was the only time I had to. I felt I had to see the man, you know. And uh, I was living downtown. I was in the hotel, and, and, I, and I saw the photos and realized that he was going to be over there. So I, 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 I just said, "Well, I'm going over there, you know, and see this guy because I've never seen him." I was quite impressed. That was one of his last speeches, wasn't it? I mean, well, it was, it, the it was the end of his uh, career. So, uh, some musicians have said that there's a relationship between um, some of Malcolm's ideas and the music, especially the new music. Do you think there's anything in there? Well, I think that uh, music uh, being the expression of the human heart, of the human, of the being itself, does express just what is happening. So then if... Uh, oh. it, it, uh, it, I feel it, expre it expresses the whole thing. The whole of a human experience at any particular time that is being expressed. Um, what do you think about the phrase "the new black music" as a description of some of the newer styles in jazz? Well, uh, I don't know. Phrases, I, I don't know. It, uh, 
they don't mean much to me, you know. And, and, uh, and it's just because uh, usually I don't make the phrases, so That's right, I mean, it's, I don't. <laughs> I don't react so much to them. It makes no difference to me one way or another what it's called. If you did make the phrases, could you think of one? I don't know what the hell. I, I don't think I have a phrase. I don't have. The, I don't think there's a phrase for it. You see? Well, the people that I could make. The people who use that phrase argue that jazz is particularly closely related to the black community, and it's an expression of what what's happening there. That's why I asked you about. Uh, well, I think it, I think it's, it's up to the individual. Uh, you can. Call it what you may, for any reason you may. Myself, I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I recognize the artist, and I, 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 I recognize an individual. I see his contribution, and when I know a man's sound, well, to me, that's him. You know, that's this man, and that's what I recognize. I mean, I don't like labels. I don't bother with. But it does seem to be a fact that most of the changes in the music, the innovations, have come from black musicians. Or yeah, well, this is how it is. Uh, yeah. Have you ever noticed, since you've played all over the United States and in all kinds of circumstances, have you ever noticed that the reaction of an audience varies uh, or changes if it's a black audience or a white audience or a mixed audience? ever seen that the racial composition of the audience seems to determine how the people respond? Well, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Any examples? Some, well, no. I mean, sometimes it, it might it might appear to be one you you might say, well, it's hard to say, man. You know, sometimes people like it or don't like it, no matter what color they are. You don't have any preferences yourself about what kind of an audience you play for? Well, to me, it doesn't matter. What you kind know, of... I, just, I, just, I only hope that whoever's out there listening, I hope they're enjoying it. <laughs> you know, if they're not enjoying it, they have an idea. If people do enjoy the music, how would you like them to demonstrate this? Do you like an audience that's perfectly still and unresponsive, or do you like an audience that um, reacts more visibly to the music? Well, I guess I like an audience that uh, uh, does show, it's, uh, you know, what they feel, or respond. I remember sometimes when you played the jazz workshop in San Francisco, you really got that kind of an audience that you didn't get when you played Shelley's Manhole in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me that that had some effect on the music that you Yeah, because it, it seems to me that the, that the audience... The, the audience, by in, in listening, there is a, an act of participation going on there, you know. And, uh, and when you know that uh, somebody is maybe moved uh, the same way that you are to such degree or approaching the degree, the degree uh, it's just like having another member in the group. Is that what happened? Like, you know, you know. Is that what happened at the Ascension date? Uh, people who were there, did they get that involved? For example, I I don't know. Uh, I was still so busy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was worried that that was mine. You know, that was the way I felt. I couldn't really enjoy the date as if it as if it hadn't been a date. If it hadn't been a date, then I would have really enjoyed it. Date, I'm trying to get the you know time, everything, oh, set, and I was just too busy myself. But uh, I don't know. I, I hope they uh, felt something. You know, they felt this. To hear the record, I mean, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of the individual contributions. It's a beautiful record. I, I enjoyed. It's probably the one record that I've had to listen to 
the most number of times to get you know, that. We, yeah, we got another take yeah. out on it now. That's what that. Bob Field told me. He said he mailed me the other one. Yeah. What do you think then about playing concerts? Does that seem to inhibit the interaction between yourself, your group, and uh, the audience? Well, uh, on concerts, I have the only thing that bugs me on concerts would, uh, might be the uh, hall with the poor acoustics or acoustics, which uh, we can't quite get the unit sound, you see. But as far as the audience, it's, it's about the same. I, don't, you know, I wasn't too impressed with the acoustics in Friday night's concert. Mm, no, I wasn't. I was sitting right down front, so I could hear most of what was going on, but even then it didn't sound... No, they actually feel like they feel it. You can tell the musicians that they can't hear each other, and therefore they can't no, get themselves yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, another reason I asked you about Malcolm was because, um, uh, you know, I've interviewed about a dozen and a half musicians by this time, and the consensus seems to be that, um, especially the younger musicians, talk about the kind of political and social issues that Malcolm talk about when they're with each other. And uh, some of them say that they try and express this in the music. Do you find that in your own groups or in the musicians you're friendly with, that uh, these issues are important to you and you do talk about them? Oh, well, they're definitely important. And as I said, uh, they are, the issues are part of what is, you know, at this time. Do you make so it naturally, as, uh, as, as musicians, we express whatever, whatever it is. Do you make a conscious attempt to express these things, or do you feel that it just... Well, I tell you, uh, myself, I make a conscious attempt. I think I could say, uh, truthfully, that in music, I make, I, I make, or I have tried to make, consciously, an attempt to change, to change what I found in music. You see, and uh, in other words, I, I, I tried to say, well, this I feel could be better, you see, in my opinion. So I will try to do this to make it better. Yeah, no. This is what I feel that we feel in any situation that we find in our lives. When there's something that we feel should be better, we must exert effort to try to make it better. And so it's the same socially, musically, politically, in any, in any part of your life. Most of the musicians I have talked to are very concerned with changing the society, and they do see their music as an instrument by which society well, can be changed. Well, I think so. I think music is an instrument. It can uh, create the initial, uh, just uh, the, the thought patterns. It can create the change, you see, in the thinking of the people. In particular, some musicians have said that jazz is opposed to um, poverty and to suffering and to oppression, and that therefore jazz is opposed to what the United States is doing in Vietnam. Do you have any comments on that subject? On uh, the Vietnam? Well, you can, you, can, you can divide it into two parts. Oh, that's true. The first part was whether you think jazz is opposed to poverty and suffering and oppression. And the second part is whether you think, if so, jazz is therefore opposed to the United States' involvement in Vietnam. Well, in my opinion, I would say yes, because I believe that, uh, in my opinion, of uh, jazz, mm -hmm. call it now, we'll talk about that later. Uh, okay, well, it, call it what you want. <laughs> yeah, call it what you want. Uh, to me, it is, it is an expression of, uh, to me, it's uh, music, and uh, this music is an expression of highest, to me, higher ideas. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, therefore... Uh, brotherhood is there. And I believe with brotherhood there would be no poverty. And also with brotherhood there would be no war. So, uh, to 
That also seems to be what most of the musicians feel. Uh, David Eisenson, for example, said uh, almost the same thing when I talked with him Monday. He said, well, we're saying in our music that we want a classless society without uh, these frictions and without the waste and without the warfare. Would you care to comment on working conditions for, uh, quote, jazz musicians? Do you think that jazz artists are treated uh, as they deserve to be treated and uh, not? Can you see any reasons why they wouldn't be? Well, I I don't know. Uh, It's according to the individual. You find uh, many times a man uh, may feel that he's the situation is all right with him, where another man may say, well, that situation is no good for you. Oh, you see. So it's a matter of a man knowing himself just what he wants, you know. And uh, that way, he, I mean, it's according to his values. If he, if he doesn't mind a certain sort of treatment, then uh, I'm sure he can get it. So he can find it somewhere. If he does mind it, then he doesn't have to put up with it. In my opinion, at the stage, at this stage of the game, where I'm at now, mm-hmm. stage, uh, I'm, uh, I don't care too much for playing uh, clubs consistently. Now, there was a time when this felt all right to me because my music, I felt I had to play a lot to work it out, you see. But uh, now I don't think that was absolutely the way it was at, but I had to find it out myself. Like so, moving to the country. Yeah, I had to go through this thing, you know, well, and now I don't feel this is necessary. I think uh, it is a matter of being able to be at home and in, to go into yourself, you know, more. In other words, like the years before I was playing, you know, every night. And uh, as such, I don't feel, I don't, uh, the, the situation involved in the club is not an ideal one for me now. What is it about the clubs that you don't like? Well... Actually, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, we don't play this, uh, this that 40 minute kind of thing anymore, you see, and it's very difficult to always uh, do this kind of thing now. And uh, I, I, the music uh, changing as it is, a lot of times when it's, uh, it doesn't make sense, man, to have, to have somebody drop a glass or. You know, somebody asked for some money right in the middle of Jimmy Garrison's soul. You yeah, know what I mean? I know exactly what's happening in there, you see? And uh, these kind of things that are calling for some other kind of presentation, I think. In other words, these really are artists who are playing, yet they're not really being treated like artists. They're being treated like um, part of the cash register. Well, they're just the, there to bring up the money. Yeah, I think the music is rising in my... Uh, you know, an estimation is, is rising into something else. And uh, so we'll have to find this kind of place, you know, to replay that. Why do you think conditions have been so bad for um, producing art uh, by, mus- uh, by musicians? What do you think causes these um, poor conditions that you've spoken of? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know how, how it came about, you see, because I, I do know there was one time when a music, musician played uh, more dances, you know, and I used to play theaters and all this, and, uh, well, this uh, took away one element, you know, but still it was hard work these guys had to do, because I remember so it was one night, it was a pretty 
pretty difficult, you know. But it just seems that uh, the music has just been directed by uh, businessmen, I suppose, who, who know how to arrange uh, the making of the dollar and so forth. And uh, maybe often the artist hasn't really taken the time himself to just figure out just what he's... Or if he does feel it should be presented some other way. And I think these are the things which are being thought about more than that. That's what I find, too. Do you think the fact that the, almost all of the original jazz musicians um, were black men and have continued to be throughout uh, the generations, do you think this encouraged the businessmen to take advantage of them and to uh, treat their art sort of with this contempt, uh, bringing up the cash register in the middle of a base solo? Well, I don't know. It's... Uh most of the owners, I know, are white. Yeah, well, it is. This, this could be fine. This could be. I don't know. How do you think conditions are going to be improved for the musicians? Well, there, there has to be a lot of self-help, I, I believe. Uh, have to work out, you know, their own problems you mean in like this area. Like, for example, the Jazz Composers Guild was trying to do... By yeah, I, I do think that was a good idea. I, do, I really do. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think it's dead. I mean, it was just something that couldn't, it didn't, it didn't, it couldn't be born at that time, but I still think it's a good idea. The first time, this is the history of all kinds of organizations in this country, is that they're not always successful the first time, but I think it's inevitable that musicians are going to try yeah. to organize and protect themselves against... Uh, for example, I was at the Five Spot Monday night, and uh, I figured that there were about 100 tables in there, and uh, two people at a table comes to about $7.50 a set, at three drinks a set. And that means he's making um, $750, say, a set, and he has five sets. And I know that musicians for that night aren't getting uh, anywhere near five times $750, so or even two times $750. So actually, it turns out that uh, these businessmen are not only damaging the art, but they're even keeping people away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's putting them uptight, a lot of people, man. I, I feel so bad sometimes about people coming to the club. Like, yeah, I can't play long enough for them because, the, you know, the guys are hustling me on, and uh, God, they come to hear you play, and you get up, you have to play a little bit and split. Yeah, if it hadn't been things, you know, yeah, something has to be done about it. If it hadn't been for Elvin, um, taking, you know, the bartender aside, I couldn't have stayed there because I ran out of money after a set. <laughs> Do um, the musicians who play in these newer styles look to Africa and Asia for some of their musical inspiration? I think so. I think they look all over. Do they look some places yeah, more than and inside? Yeah, and inside. Yeah. I heard you, for example, talking about making a trip to Africa um, to gather musical sources. Was that the idea? Well, I, I intend to uh, make a trip to Africa together, just together, whatever I can find, uh, particularly uh, the musical sources. Do you think that musicians are more interested in Africa and Asia than in Europe, as far as their music goes? Well, well the, uh, the, uh, the musicians have been exposed to Europe, you see. So it is the other parts that they haven't been uh, exposed to, which I think they're trying to, uh, at least I speak for myself, mm -hmm. I'm trying to 
to have a rounded, you see, education. Is that the significance of those rhythmic instruments that you've incorporated into your group to give it a, a, a sort of Middle Eastern or African? Or well, it's, it's, uh, if so, or maybe so, but it's just something I feel. Why do you think that the interest in Africa and Asia is growing at this particular time? Well, it's just time uh, for this to come about. That's all. It's just uh, a thing with this time. Bill Dixon suggested it might have something to do with the fact that many African nations became independent um, in the 1950s and, mm. and changed the way uh, the Negroes in this country looked at themselves. Uh, gave made them more aware of the African heritage and made them more interested in going back and looking for it. Do you think there's anything to that line? Yeah, it's part of. Oh, another question along the same lines is, it seems that group improvisation is growing in, in importance. Um, for example, what you did with Pharaoh when you were both playing simultaneously, mm -hmm. and also, of course, Ascension. Um, do you think that this is a new trend now? Or not a new trend, but do you think that this is growing in importance now, this uh, playing? Oh, well, uh, maybe. It, I don't know. It seems to be happening. <laughs> I don't know how long it's going to stay. At this time, it doesn't seem to be. Why do you think uh, that's taking place now? I don't know why. I don't know why. It just is. But it is there. I mean, yeah. I'm not making something up when I'm No, I, I feel it. And another question about the new music. I've noticed that a lot of the new groups are pianoless, or even in your case where you have a piano, sometimes uh, you'll have the piano layout during the solo or parts of the solo. Why is um, why is this coming about at this particular time? Why the desire to de-emphasize the piano, or rather not to de-emphasize it, but to give it another kind of um, position in the group, another kind of role? Oh, I don't know because see, I still use the piano, I and I have reached a point where I feel that I don't uh, need this song, and uh, I I might uh, assume uh, assume that uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because the When you're not playing on a given uh, progression, mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's, you don't need, don't really need anybody there to state these things. And if it would uh, get in your way to have somebody going in another direction, you trying to go in this, then uh, it'd be better for you not to have a piano. So. It seems that some of the direction that the horns are going in too is to get away from the. 12 tone scale to play notes that really aren't on the piano. Uh, the, mm. um, the really, you know, the high pitch notes, yeah. the shrieks and scream. I don't know what you, what you, words you used to, do, mm. to describe those words, but I think you know what I mean. Mm. The sounds that were considered um, wrong, well, still are considered wrong by some people. Um, now, if you play those notes that really aren't on the piano and you have the piano there stating notes that are on the piano, do you feel that this is some kind of a clash that you'd rather avoid in, in, in the group? I suppose that's the way uh, some men feel about it. As I say, I still use the piano, so I haven't reached this uh, point yet where, you know, where the piano is uh, a drag to me, you know, to that degree. The only thing I, I, uh, I don't, uh, we, we don't follow what the piano does in, anymore because we all move in uh, our own direction. So. You do the piano. I like to go backdrop, you know, mm -hmm. of the sound. You do have the piano, though, layout, a, a 
fairly large portion. Well, a- after a while, uh, I always uh, instruct the piano players that uh, whenever they wish, they can just lay up and uh, let, it, let it go on as it is. Because after a while, lots of times, the pianos, pianos, when they get tired, <laughs> you just, you know, you can't take anything else to play, stroll. When I talked to you a couple of years ago in Los Angeles and I asked you if you ever would consider adding another horn to your group, you said probably the thing you would do is, um, if you added anything, you would add drums. <laughs> and was that, did, did you have in mind then these kinds of things that... Uh, I don't even know, man, but I guess so. And that's just, I feel, still feel so strongly about drums. I really do. You said you were listening to African music and you noticed that uh, if you played that with some of your music, that it still all sounded right because anything you played over the drums. Yeah, I, I feel very strongly about these drums. But it's just like I, I experimented in it, but we didn't have too much success. I believe it would have worked, but, uh, you know, Elvin and McCord, it, it couldn't hold it. It was time for them to go. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be two drums. It could be just drums and another rhythm instrument. Like that's what I was really referring to. Yeah, I think so too. Now I think you could they could come in different form, shape. You know, I just don't know how to do it. Though. After all, the, the things that you were playing up there on Friday night, those are rhythm instruments too. Not all rhythm instruments are. are good. Oh, that's true. That's what I meant when I said it. That's what you had in mind. Yeah. Um, speaking of Garvin and McCoy, it reminds me of something Sun Ra said, and I'll repeat it. Uh, I'll make it clear that I don't put any faith in it, but uh, since he said it, and he told me to tell you, I thought I'd pass along. He says that uh, you hired Rashid and, uh, as a means of driving Elvin and McCoy out of the band because you didn't want them in the band in the first place, but that was your way of doing it. Uh, do you want to answer that? Or? No, I don't, I don't I was I was trying to do something. I, that was, uh, I was trying to do something. Uh, Please, I was, there was a thing I wanted to do in music, see, and I wanted, and I figured I could do two things. I could have a band that played like the way we used to play, mm-hmm. and a band that was uh, going in the direction that this, the one I have now is going. I could combine these two with the, you know, with these two concepts going, and uh, it could have been that. Uh, yeah, Sun Ra is quite bitter and claims that you've stolen all of your ideas from him, and in fact, that everybody has stolen all of their ideas from him, which so. is uh, rather exaggerated. Look, I've heard him, and, uh, and I know, I know he's, done, he's done some things that I've wanted to do. How do you feel about having another horn in the group now, another saxophone? Do you feel that... Uh, that in any way competes with you or that it enhances what well it, it helps me it, it helps me uh, stay alive sometimes because I find it physically man it's the pace I've been leading it's been so hard I never have sometimes seen I've just good. been a little you know and I've gained so much weight you know sometimes I've been a little hard physically and uh, I feel that I like to I like to have somebody there if it, in case I just don't can't get that strength I like to have the strength in that band, you know, from someone. And Farrell is a very strong spirit and will. Too. And that's, these are things I like to have up there. Well, strength I is the word. That, you know. It's the word for the band now. I mean, strength and energy. Right? Energy, yeah. I like to have this energy. Too. Do you feel that spurs you on, the presence of, especially a man as powerful as Farrell? Yeah, all the time. I, there's always got to be somebody uh, with a, a lot of power. Because Elvin, I mean, the old man, Elvin had this part. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think the Rock? Always had to have somebody there with it, yeah. Rashid has it, but it, it hasn't quite un- unfolded completely, you know. But it's, it's, it's uh, all he needs to do is play. Yeah, that was my impression, too, that he really was feeling his way ahead in the music. Oh, yeah. And didn't have the confidence that Elvin had. Uh, but then, of course, Elvin, look how long Elvin was with you before you Yeah, it is. He was there. Elvin was there for a couple of years, although Elvin was ready from the first time I heard Elvin, you know, he was, uh, I could hear the genius there, but uh, it, uh, he had to really play, you had to start playing steadily, steadily, and every every night, or whatever you're going to play, you have to keep feeling, and, 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 and it comes out, it's like, it was miles, it took me around two and a half years, I think, for it to start developing, you know, like it was going to take the shape that it was going to take. That's what's so tragic about the situation of the younger musicians now. They don't have that opportunity to play together. Yeah, it certainly needs to be done. It should be happening all the time. And the, the men would develop uh, sooner. Don Cherry has a new record out. And it's a, I think it's a beautiful record on Blue Note. And one of the reasons I think it's so good is because this, this, here he has a group that's worked together for a few months. Yeah. And so he knows how to get put something together for all of the men that isn't just yeah, you know, yeah. great. I know you are, because, you know, you kept the group alive. Yeah, I should try to. Have you listened to many of the other younger saxophonists besides Farrell? Yes, uh, Albert Ailer first. Uh, Could you see any... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Could you see any relationship between what you were doing and what he was doing? In other words, do you think that he had developed out of some of your ideas? I don't, not necessarily. I think uh, what he's doing is, uh, it seems to be uh, moving music into even higher frequency. To me, it appears that some of the things that you did... Like maybe where I left off, maybe where he started. <laughs> oh, well, in a sense, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, I listen to... Not to say that he, you know, would uh, copy this or that. But it's just that he, you know, he filled an area mm-hmm. that it seemed that I hadn't uh, gotten to. It seems like a sense. that uh, to me, it appeared that your solo on chasing the train, chasing the train, uh, that he had developed some of the ideas that you put out there, and he had um, expressed them in his own way. But that this was one of the points from which he had begun. Had you ever thought of it in that light? No. Do you ever listen to that record much? Only when, at the time that it came out, I, I used to listen to it and wonder what happened to me. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, it was, it was a sort of surprising thing to hear this back, you see, because, I don't know, it, it came back another way. How did it come back? It? Well, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a little longer than I thought it was, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it had quite a bit of a... Fairly, fairly good amount of intensity in it, you know, which I, I hadn't quite gotten in, in the recording before. You, see. you were pleased with it. <laughs> so I think it's too, you know, to that to a degree. I mean, not not that I could sit there with it and you know love it. Well, well, I know you'd never be pleased with anything you do so long in the week. I realized that uh, I'd have to do that a better. <laughs> you see. Then, uh, <clears throat> I think it's a remarkable record, and I also think you ought to go back and listen to it. <clears throat> Maybe so. Because yeah, because I, I see a lot of the younger. Well, I don't see any saxophonist now who isn't playing 
something that you have at least sketched out before. Uh, Archie, excuse me, is the one who's gone furthest in directing his own in the direction of his own style. But if you listen to Archie three or four years ago with Cecil Taylor, he was playing those up and down triad things that you know that, that really one of your uh, uh, trademarks. But maybe uh, you don't want. Maybe you know you'd rather not think about that. So. No, you know because like it's a it's a big reservoir, man, that we all dip out of. So <laughs> you know, and I like you know a lot of times uh, you find that. A lot of those things, I, I, I listened to John Gilmore mm-hmm. kind of closely before I made sure it's in the train, too. So some of those things on there are really direct influences of, by, of listening to this cat, you see? <laughs> but, and I don't know who he'd be listening to, so it's... Uh, right, right. Well, so it you know? is a reservoir, yeah. yeah. It's too bad that he's never had a recording that demonstrated what he could do. I really is. Yeah, I like him. Well, everybody talks about him, and yet I've listened to, you know, a number of Sun Ra records, which I guess is the only place you can really hear him. Yeah, and, uh, he probably had the hand stretch on his arm or something. Right. Because I've heard him do some things which he really do. Well, after Chasing the Train came out and then Impressions came out, you did, um... Well, I tell you, I had some trouble. At that time, I, I, I did a foolish thing. I, I got dissatisfied with my mouthpiece. <laughs> and I, I had some work done on this thing. And instead of uh, making it better, it, 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 it ruined it. And it really uh, I, it discouraged me, you know, a little bit because I couldn't. There were certain aspects of that, of playing that certain fast thing that I was reaching for that I couldn't get you know, push because I damaged this thing. So I just had to curtail it. <laughs> well, and actually, I never found another, but after so much of just laying around and making these kind of things, I said, well, what the hell, you know? I might as well go ahead and do the best I can. But it, it, at that moment, it was so vivid in my mind, the difference in the in the in what I was getting on the horn. It was so vivid in my mind until I couldn't do it because as soon as I do it, I'd hear it, and it just discouraged me, see? But after a year or so passed, well, I, I forgot. <laughs> That's funny because, you know, I think I know your music as thoroughly as any non-musician. Yeah. And yeah, that wouldn't have been apparent to me. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the funny thing. That's, that's one of the mysteries. And to me, as soon as I put that on in my mouth, I could hear it. I could feel it, you know. Just, so I just stopped. I just went into other things. The reason I asked that was because, you recall, that was the time you had, around the time you had Eric in and out of the band. Yeah. And uh, there was a whole wave of really hostile criticism. Yeah, yeah and sure this, 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 this was, well, all of this was at the same time. So you can see how, how it was. I needed all the strength I could have at that time. And, and maybe some of these things might have caused me to feel that, well, you know, I, damn, I can't get what I want out of this mouthpiece, so I'll work on it. Do you think then this might have undermined your self-confidence to it? Yeah, it could have. It certainly could have. Yeah. And why do you think there's been all this... Um, Hostility to the new music, especially in your oh, case. Oh man, I I never could figure it out, you know, and uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't even venture to answer it now. Just, uh, because uh, as, as as I told them then, I just felt that they didn't understand. Do you feel that they were making? <laughs> so, uh, I feel that they don't, didn't understand. Do you think that they were making uh, conscientious and thorough an attempt to understand as they could have? At times, I didn't feel they were because I, I did uh, offer to them. I right, think in this article and down beyond, 
asked uh, if any of you men were interested in, uh, you know, trying to understand, let's get together and let's talk about it, you know. I felt that they were really genuinely interested or thought there was something here that they, instead of just condemning it, what you don't know about, we want to discuss it, let's talk about it. But no one ever, you know, came for them, so I don't think they were really, they didn't want to know what <laughs> I had to say about it. I think it frightened them, uh, Bill. Well, it may have. Bill said, you know, he talk, we talked about this at great length, and he said, well, these guys, see, I was taking them years to learn how to pick out I Got Rhythm on the piano, and now the music comes along and undermines their entire career, which is built around understanding. Yeah. Yeah, it could be, I thought it like that too. I said, well, it could be a real drag for the cat's career if he figures this is something that he won't be able to cope with and he won't be able to write about, you see. And, uh, if he can't write about it, he can't make a living at this. And then I realized that, so I quieted down. I didn't. I wouldn't allow myself to become too uh, hostile back, you know, in return. Although there was a time I, I, uh, I was kind of froze up on the people that downbeat. I froze because I don't know. I felt that that was something that it wasn't. I didn't. I felt that they were letting their weakness direct their actions, which I didn't feel they should have. Of course, that, that makes me want to kill all those people, because... Uh, well, <laughs> man, you know. Because uh, I get so much pleasure out of your music. Yeah, well, the, test, the test was for me. That's what it was for, you know. They, they could do what they wanted to do. The thing was for me to remain firm in what I was doing. But it, that, that was a funny time, a particular period in my life, because I went through quite a few changes, you know, like uh, home life, everything, man. I just went through everything I was doing. Did this. The perfect wrong time to hit you. See, everything, yeah, everything I was doing, see, like that. Yeah. But it was a hell of a test for me, and uh, coming out of it, it's just like I always said, man, when you go through these crises in life, when you come through them, I come out of them, you're definitely strong. Yeah, <laughs> you if, know, if, in if a great sense, it. yeah. Did impulse, did the reaction of impulse to these um, adverse criticisms have anything to do with those records that we talked about? Uh, the ballads and the... the ballads and the... Well, I don't know. Uh, I think impulse was interested in having a, uh, what they might call uh, a balanced sort of thing, uh, a diverse sort of a, a catalog, you know, and... Uh, I'd find nothing wrong with this myself. You see, I, I, I like... In fact, most of the songs I even write now uh, have been written. The ones that I really consider songs are ballads. <laughs> so there's, a, there's something there that I mean, I really love these, love these things. Oh, they're beautiful. And um, I felt... No questions and these ballads that came out were definitely ones which I felt at this time. And I, I chose them. And, uh, it seemed to be something that was laying around in my mind from my, you know, youth or somewhere that I just had to do. And they came at, at this time when uh, the confidence in what I was doing on the horn had flagged. It, it seemed to be just the time to clean that up. And the Johnny Hartman, the man that I, I had stuck up in my mind somewhere, I just felt something about him, you know, I don't know what it was. And, uh... I like this sound. I thought there was something there I had to hear, you know. So I looked him up. And there's that other one, too. 
I don't regret doing those things at all. You shouldn't. No, that's not. Because they have, Johnny Hartman went with, in my opinion, went with the quartet perfectly. Those yeah, are, those are the only six songs I know the words to. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's eight, it's a six or eight. Yeah. Six, yeah, it's six yeah. right now. Yeah, I don't regret none of them. No, no, you But the only thing I do, I, I regret not uh, having, you know, kept that same attitude, which was, you know, I'm going to do no matter what. Mm-hmm. That was the attitude in the beginning, but uh, as I say, there was a whole lot of reasons why <laughs> these things didn't there was happen. Ups and downs, and I was one of the yeah, downs. Do you think that um, learning how to play the soprano had anything to do with uh, the change in your style from what it had been, say, in '57? Certainly did. How so? Uh, could you? Well, the uh, soprano, by being this small instrument, I found that uh, playing the lowest note on it was like playing the one of the middle notes in the tenor. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I after I got so I could uh, my amateur would allow me to make the upper notes. Mm-hmm. I found that I would I would play all over this instrument, you see. And on tenor, I hadn't always played all over it because I was playing certain ideas which would just run into my ranges, octaves, see. Mm-hmm. But by playing on the soprano and becoming accustomed to playing from that low B flat on up, it soon got so when I went to tenor, I found myself doing the same thing. You see? And this caused the change or the willingness to, to change and just try to play the you know, as much of the instrument as possible. Did it give you a new rhythmic conception, too? Uh, I think so. I think so. Uh, a new, and uh, a new shape came out of this thing and patterns, you know, the way the patterns were fought. It seemed to me that after you started playing soprano, and particularly after My Favorite Things, then you started feeling that same kind of a pulse uh, on the tenor that, that hadn't been there in your, I, I think in your work quite before. Possible. Quite possible. In fact, Soprano started, Soprano is one of the reasons I started getting uh, satisfied with that ton of mouthpiece, because the, the sound of that Soprano was actually so much closer to me in my ear, or oh, there's something about the presence of that sound, you know, that, that to me, I didn't want to admit it, but to me it was seeming like it was better than the tenor, or I liked it more, see? I didn't want to admit this damn thing because I said, well, the tennis is my horn. This is my favorite. But uh, this is uh, maybe it's just the fact that it's a high instrument. It, it just, it, it stopped pulling my conception, you see. <laughs> it really was headed going into this instrument. How do you feel about the two horns now? Well, the tenor is the power horn, definitely. Uh, but soprano, there's a, there's still something there, and just the just the voice of it. It's, 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 I can't just really beautiful. Awesome. I really like. It, you know? Do you regard the soprano as an extension of the tenor, or? Uh... Well, at first I did, but I don't know. It's it's just now it's another voice. It's, it's another. another voice. Do you ever, <clears throat> ever use the two horns on the same piece like you did on spirituals? I, I think that's the only time I've done that. Sometimes in clubs, uh, if, if I feel that I may do something like this, start on one and end on another, you know. But I think that's the only one on record. Like 
what prompted Pharaoh to take up the alto? Uh, was that to get away from the tenor sound? Or I don't know. This is talking over with him. No, this is something he wanted to do. And uh, at, at about the same time, I decided I wanted to get one. So we both got it. I haven't heard you play the alto yet. Do you play it much in the... I played it in Japan. I played it in Frisco a little bit. But I've had a little trouble on the, uh, uh, with the intonation of it. It's mm -hmm. uh, Japanese make that they uh, new thing they're trying out, so they gave us these on to try. And mine has to be adjusted at certain points where they're not quite in tune, so I don't play it. But I like it. I saw a picture of you with a flute. <laughs> yeah. Are you playing that too now? I'm learning. I'm learning. You're always learning, aren't you? Uh, I hope so. I'm always trying to learn. Uh, my look at the downbeat critics poll two years in a row, and both year this year and last year. Both year I noticed, both years I noticed this that uh, the European critics were much more in favor of the new music than the American. Almost say fifty percent or sixty percent of them would vote for new musicians, yeah. whereas only say about a quarter of the American. Uh, is this what you found in, in Europe and in, in the world? Let me just say, yeah. this is what you found outside the United States, that your music is more favorably received by uh, the critics, the power structure, shall we say, than, uh, in, than in the U.S. Well, I'll tell you, uh, in the new music, I believe in that. And when I say the new music, I mean most of the younger musicians mm -hmm. just starting out. Mm -hmm. I know that they are definitely have found a quicker reception in Europe than they have here. And... Uh, when I started it, it was a little different because I started through Miles Davis, mm -hmm. who was an, accept, an accepted musician, you see. And uh, they got used to me here in the States. Now, when they first heard me with Miles here, they did not like me. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. So, anything, it's just one of those things. Anything that they haven't heard yet, and it's a little different, uh, at first, they're going to reject it at first. Right? But the time, it will roll around, the time when they will like it. Now, the States, by being here with Miles and running around the country with him, I be, they, they heard more of me here, and then consequently they began to accept it before they did in Europe, because they hadn't heard me in Europe. But we found when we went to Europe the first time, well, it was a shock to them there, you know, like food, me, and everything in Paris. Because, uh, well, it is, you know, well, it is. It is. But uh, now I find the last time I was in Europe, it seems that the new music, they, they, they're ready, you know, they open up, man. You can hear it there better than they do here. I think that part of this is because what's happening in the new music is analogous to what's happened in painting, say, in sculpture and literature. And the people who appreciate jazz are, in Europe are much more aware of this than, than what do you... Well, I don't know. I, I, you know See, in, in Europe, jazz is regarded as a serious art, whereas here... It's regarded as, well, yeah, I don't know, Whatever it's it is. part of the nightclub business. Or, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you couldn't have a magazine like uh, Bam. What were you looking for, John? Do you want some cigarettes? Or no, I'm just sitting up because my back is wet. I'm just yeah. trying to get up. Get up. Yeah. yeah, I know Albert is going back to Europe, and I know that there are many of the younger musicians who want to get away from the States because yeah. of that thing. They, I just don't feel that there's any hope for them here. Do you remember Third Stream Music? What was called Third Stream Music? Mm -hmm. Did that? Did, did you ever want to feel much of a an inner urge to play that kind of music? No. Well, why do you think it didn't catch on with the musicians? Is there anything about it that uh, suggests why it 
was uh, never very popular with him? Well, I don't know. Like it was an attempt. It was an attempt to to create something. I think with uh, more of a label, you see, than uh, through true evolution. You mean it didn't evolve naturally out of the desires of the musicians? I don't think so. Well, it maybe did. I, I, I can't say that. It was an attempt to do something, which is, uh, that the evolution is about trying to, you know. But there's something uh, in evolution that, man, it, it just happens when it's ready. Uh, you know, you also, you have to try also. And this just, you know, it wasn't really where it was coming from, you know. It was, uh, it was, a, what was it, an attempt to blend, to wed, uh, Two musics, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what it mm -hmm. really was. I, well, I suppose that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. You said that uh, talking about um, saxophone players, that there was a common pool that everybody uh, dipped into. Maybe here there wasn't enough of that pool. I mean, or uh, for people to dip into. And well, I, I, just, I just think it, it wasn't time. It, it hadn't. Uh, it was an attempt to do something at a time when it just wasn't time for this to happen. And uh, therefore, it, uh, it it wasn't lasting. But uh, there, may, there may have been some things that came out of this that, that have been beneficial in promoting the, the final change, which is coming. See? So nothing is really wasted, although it might, you know, it might appear to fail or not succeed, you know, the way that the men felt they would have decided to. But. Even the mistakes can be instructive if you know how to utilize them. <laughs> Do you make any attempt, or do you feel you should make any attempt to educate your audience in ways that are, aren't musical? But it's obvious you want your audience to understand what you're doing musically, but uh, do you feel that um, you want them to understand other things, too, and that you have some kind of responsibility? Sure, I, I try to feel this, and uh, this is one of the things I'm concerned about now. I just don't know how to go about this. I, 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 I don't want to... to I want to find out just how I should do it, you know. And, uh, I think uh, it's going to have to be uh, very subtle. I mean, it's, it has, you can't you can't ram philosophy down anybody's throat, and uh, the music is enough, <laughs> you know, and that's philosophy. But uh, I think the best thing I can do this time is to try to. Uh, <laughs> get myself in shape, you know, and uh, know myself. If I can do that, then uh, I'll just play, you see, <laughs> and leave it at that. Then uh, I, I, I believe that will do it, you know, if I really can get to myself and, and, and really and then be just as I feel and I should be and play it, you see, and I think they'll get it, because music goes a long way, and it really is, uh, it, it, it can influence. That's how I got interested in all those things I was talking about earlier, I mean, mm -hmm. and Malcolm X and so forth, I may, might not have come to it, or come to it as fast, mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for the music, because that was my first introduction to something beyond my own horizons and that made me think about yeah, the world I was living in. That's what I'm sure, man, I'm sure, I'm, I'm really sure of this thing.
And uh, as I say, um, there, there, there are things uh, which, as far as spirituality is concerned, which are very important to me at this time. And uh, I've got to grow through certain, you know, phases of this to other understanding consciousness and awareness of just what it is that I'm supposed to, you know, understand about it. And I'm sure all this will be part of the music, which is, to me, you know, I, I feel I want to be a force for good. And the music, too. Everywhere. <laughs> you know, I want to be a force for real, for real good. In other words, I know that they're bad forces. You know, I know there are forces out here that bring suffering to others and misery to the world. But I want to be the opposite force. I want to be the force which is truly for good. Um, I don't have any more of my prepared questions to ask you, mm -hmm. or my improvised questions to ask you. Because <laughs> we uh, had a lot of questions here that were just related to you. All those questions about music, I don't ask the other uh, the other musicians. But I've had a, you know, I've had a, always had a very special interest in your work, so I took this off. I don't know when I'll ever get a chance to sit you down with a paper recorder. <laughs> <laughs> so I took this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you'd like to? Get on here. Uh, I think you know, we just about covered it. I believe just about covered it. Would you mind, or do you have any objection if I uh, publish this uh, interview someplace? Well, I, the only thing I would like is that you might send me before uh, you transcript. Do. Okay, yeah, transcript. The reason I say that is because you are now a person of such significance and such influence that. Uh, things coming from the mouths of other people which could dis be disregarded cannot be so easily disregarded when yes, they come from you yes, and uh, I know since from what you said that, uh, that you're sincere in wanting to be a force for good and I think this is one way of getting it in front of a lot of people is by putting this sort of thing so uh, I'll type I'll have a transcript typed up and send it to you and you can yeah well that's that's, that's that's the only thing I have I'll indicate where the shopping carts were rattling on. Uh, <laughs> okay, you can take me back and dump me at the four times in that. It's uh, about uh, twelve after one. What time do you think? Uh, about one thirty. So we we time to I'll just leave this thing running until we get there. Uh, yeah. Something else may come up. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I hope you didn't think those questions were too silly. No, man. Just, uh, much better than I could ever do. Well, I can't uh, play the music, think, you know, so I have to think about it. I job to, to really come up with questions, either. I don't think it's the easy job. I mean, you have to be thinking about something yourself. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. You know, if you There's can't play the music... Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, how about that? They named it after the record, huh? Uh, <laughs> that's a beautiful chip. It looks nice from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't play it, then you, and if you're going to write about it, you have, uh, I think, uh, an obligation uh, to do it as conscientiously as possible. Yeah, really do. And uh, always when it's a question of uh, your opinion versus the musician's opinion to give the benefit of the doubt to the musician, because he knows the music 
far better than you'll ever know. In other words, you have to be humble. But, yeah, uh, I understand the athlete. A lot of a lot of guys aren't humble. They they get arrogant because they think they have some kind of power. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's what we're just arrogant. Idea of power. Then you lose your true power. That's right. Which is to be part of all, you see, and the only, only way you can be part of all is to understand. To understand it, yeah. And you have, that means you have to do something you don't understand, you have to go humbly to. You don't, you don't go to school and say, sit down and say, I know what you're getting ready to teach me, you know? You, you sit there and you, you learn, you open your mind, you absorb. You got to be quiet, you have to be still to do it. And that's what so annoyed me about all of that stuff that they were saying about you in 61. Oh, that was, well, that was hell. That was great. I couldn't believe it, you know. It just seemed so monstrous. It was so ridiculous, man. It just, I was just, it, that's, that's what bugged me. It was just so absolutely ridiculous because they, they made it appear that we didn't even know this. Uh, first thing about music, mm-hmm. the first thing, <laughs> you know, and here we were really trying to, uh, you know, push things on. Because they never stand still. No. They never do. Well, I know that later generations of Eric, man, as sweet as this cat was, and the musician as he was, man, I just... It hurt me, you know. To see him. To see him get hurt in this thing, you see. Do you think that this possibly contributed to uh, the fact that he died so young? I don't think so. I don't know. But uh, Eric was a strong cat. I don't know. I wonder, nobody knows what caused it. Maybe when he passed, it was a mystery about it. You know? Well, I didn't mean that it was directly, but I mean... Indirectly? Yeah. Uh, the whole scene, man, he, well, he couldn't work. He couldn't work, that's what I meant, really, yeah. I don't know, just how. He, he always seemed to be a very cheerful young man, so I don't think that would push him, you know. That way. I don't think so, because he, he had an outlook of life, which was very, very good, optimistic, and he had this sort of a thing that, uh, friend, friendliness, you know, to everyone. A real friend. He the type of man who could be, he was as much a friend to a guy he just met today as he was the one he'd known for 10 years, you know. So this, this kind of person like that, I don't think it would really, uh, you know, hurt him to the point where he would do something hurt himself. Consciously or unconsciously. That friendliness is one of the things that has impressed me about the musicians here. Um, I really didn't expect to be greeted with open arms because I am an outsider after all. And yet I've been amazed constantly at how eager the musicians were to cooperate once they got the idea that I was sincere mm-hmm. and that this wasn't a joke or a, a con yeah. or something of that nature. Yeah, well, man, I think that's all that's. All we need is uh, sincerity. That's the word, empathy means identification with other people. Um, becoming becoming what we really are. Yes, and, right. and, and being considerate of other people and not trying to uh, damage them with uh, treating them, in other words, with the same um, 
care that we would want to be treated ourselves. Mm -hmm. Hey, there is a restroom this time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a hotel somewhere. <laughs> a motel, rather. Not yeah, a hotel. not a hotel. <laughs> no, no, hotel. Do you live far outside of uh, uh, wherever we are now? Well, I guess I'm about four or five miles down the road. <laughs> <laughs> you really sound like Farmer John. <laughs> you went through my boyhood. I grew up in the place. Yeah, man, when I come up here and I had to do all, get everything I'm going to get. You know, That's right, because I, I gotta go to the store and do all that because I don't want to come back up here. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've gone through this. I don't know. I think I want to get close to the town because I don't know. Maybe there's something I can do in music, you know. Maybe I can mm -hmm. get a place, a little room or something to play in. Everybody else has a, those lofts down in Cooper. Yeah. yeah. But I would, you know, I mean, that's not really suitable for you anymore. It's okay. It's one thing when well, you're in your 20s, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't want a loft, but I don't know. Maybe there's something I can get to play in in some place to, to be able to work, you know, or give somebody some work in. What do you play at home? Mm -hmm. Where do you play at home? Uh, I heard you practicing over in the police. I thought that was what I heard. Yeah, well, anywhere. I just, I've got a, there's a room over the garage out there that I'm getting fixed now. To, uh, I think it's going to be my practice room. You know, sometimes you build a room and it ends up, you ain't still going to toilets. So I don't know. <laughs> I hope I like it. But, well, I was, I was in the living room. Anyway, I keep on on the piano. And I have a horn in my bedroom. My flute's usually back there because when I go there, I'm tired so I lay down and practice. Um, About how many hours a day do you play, would you say? Not too much at this time. I find that it's only when something is, is trying to come through, you know, mm -hmm. that I, I really practice. And then it's, it's, it's known. It's, I don't know how many hours, you know, it's just all day. Until on and off, yeah. But at this time, it's, uh, there's nothing that's coming out now. It's just uh, I'm kind of taken in. I was very surprised to hear you <coughs> practicing at all because uh, yeah. I just couldn't conceive of what you could find to practice. Yeah, well, but I know it isn't like that. I, no, <laughs> you know, I need to practice. Uh, it's just that I want something to practice, and I'm trying to that's it, and that's try it. out what it is that I want the area that I you know, want to get into. Water from Pedro Show. That was John Coltrane talking to Frank Kosky, November two, uh, 1966. So what, you guys calculated 42 years? 42. I guess it was November 13th, so two weeks shy of 42 years. hope everybody um, got another uh, side of Mr. Coltrane by hearing that. And I want to thank, um, well, of course, Brother Matt, for your always... Aiden a vet that time again, huh? Helping me with a lot from Pedro show, like you do. My pleasure. And our guests. Wait, is this over? Which is um I'm sorry. Sean. Time flies. Thank you. Pig. Thanks. Thank you so much for bringing Mark aboard. Mark, yeah. coming aboard. 
Nice to meet you. Safe seas on your journey. Sounds yeah, righteous. Fun. I hope fun. it inspires all kinds of cats that might be listening road to trip. not be stuck in their mud yeah, and hit the road. Journey and meet different lands and folks. Check it out. And couches. And they go on. I got yeah. um, It's October 29, 2008. Live from Pedro Show. Everybody have a good Halloween. Remember. Mm-hmm. Ooh. We're admitting we wear costumes for that one day until joyful time comes when we just let go and say we're always doing it. Okay, keep your powder dry.